Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When Sweet Tarts dared to combine sweet and tart, they thought, why stop there? Why not create other exciting and unexpected combinations like rainbows and ropes or fruity and gummy or chewy and more chewy? That's why they created fun treats like Sweet Tarts Twisted Rainbow Ropes, Gummies Fruity Splits, and Chewy Fusions. When you dare to combine, it's sure to blow your mind. Sweet Tarts, dare to combine. Visit SweetTartsCandy.com to shop now. Hello and welcome to this week's very special edition of the Olive Magazine podcast. My name is Laura Rowe and I'm the editor of the magazine and host of this podcast. And each week I natter away on here along with the very talented and charmingly geeky Olive Magazine team to bring you our expert advice on all things food, drink and travel. It's basically like reading the magazine but without having to open your eyes. But this week we have a fascinating interview with one of the most famous pastry chefs in the world right now, Dominique Ansel, the man behind the cronut, the game-changing pastry of the last century. And so, upon the news that Dominique was opening his first bakery in Europe in London this September, I had to meet the man himself, and where better than at Foodie Mecca, Borough Market. Hi, I'm Dominique Ansel. I'm here at the Borough Market, and I'm super excited to be here. It's my, actually my first time. Okay, Dominic, so tell me a bit about your background um, and the bakeries in New York. So I opened the bakery in 2011, and at the time I only had four employees. So it was a very small bakery in Manhattan, and uh, the goal was really to have a place where people would come and have beautiful pastries, and also a place where they could stay, uh, just enjoy a nice cup of coffee and a nice pastry, and also come back with friends and family and uh, I think we've, we've reached a goal. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You're obviously best known, uh, certainly over here, for your cronuts. So tell us about how it came about. Describe it for us. What was the thinking behind it? So the cronut was uh, one of my creation in 2013. And it's essentially, uh, how people describe it, a hybrid between a croissant and donut. Um, I made a, you know, we changed the menu of the bakery every six to eight weeks. It was just another of our pastry that we're introducing to our our customers and uh, it went viral. It went viral very quickly. It looks like a donut, the shape of a donut, and inside you have all the flaky, light layers of a croissant. Uh, it's actually not a croissant though, actually a very specific recipe. It took me over three months to develop the recipe. And uh, it's filled with the cream, uh, rolled in sugar, and uh, finished up with a glaze. We change the flavor every month. And this is one of uh, our best seller. One of our best seller because it's not the only thing we have. People in New York became desperate for this hot new pastry. Hundreds queued out the door, a black market was even developed, resulting in a strict two-per-person policy. And since 2013, there have been many imitations around the world. Dominique trademarked the name Cronut, but you may have heard of a, a docent, a crodo. Who doesn't love a portmanteau? I certainly do. But Dominique has even released a simplified, and I'm making inverted comrades here, listeners, recipe so that people could recreate it at home. Having tried many, many times myself to make this aforementioned beauty, I had a slight cronut crisis phase in my late 20s. I can confirm it is definitely not simple. It is a beautiful, beautiful masterpiece. I released a recipe, a, a home recipe, 
and it's for uh, for people to do at home with like simple ingredients, simple tools, and it's a uh, it's a very easy uh, recipe to make at home. So it's the you say easy, but it takes three days it to does. make. I've I've tried <laughs> myself. Have you? Yeah, I've tried. Um, I tried to come up with kind of a, a simpler version of it, and I don't think it'll be anywhere near as good. So I'm very very excited for your bakery to open. Did you you say it's kind of just another one of your recipes when you you do new pastries every month? But did you think it would go viral when you made it? Kind of was that the thinking behind it? I mean, no, I had no idea. Like I remember, like uh, putting on a menu for the weekend, and uh, a blogger came actually took a photo of it yeah. and put it on his blog, and they called me the same afternoon, telling me that uh, the article went viral, and they had over 130,000 links to the article, an increase of traffic of 300% on the website. And this is when everything began. And uh, by the third day, we had over 150 people waiting in line. So now every day at the bakery in New York, uh, we have range of a line between 80 and 150 people waiting outside before we open the doors. You need crowd control for when you open in London. <laughs> What's been the most popular cream flavor since you say you change the flavor every month? What's been the most it's, popular? It's hard to tell because the, the, the favorite flavor is always a new one, yeah. at least mine, yeah. because it's exciting, it's new. Yeah. So we change the flavor every month. Okay. There's only one flavor for each month. We start the flavor on the first of each month and we, we earn on the last day of the month. Yeah. How do you keep coming up with new ideas? By going to the markets, yeah. by uh, looking at new ingredients, seasonal ingredients, and yeah. then keep it, keep on mixing it up, making yeah. keeping on uh, keeping it exciting. Yeah. Uh, for Japan, we opened a shop in Japan a year ago. We use local ingredients as well. So we use Hokkaido milk, matcha tea. We use a lot of like local honey. It's very exciting to work with local ingredients, and I'm excited uh, to come to London and do the same. With this in mind, Dominique and I take a walk around Borough and we start eating a lot. And guess what he's drawn to first? Okay, so we're at Bread Ahead now. Um, what are you going to order? Uh, apparently I've tried the donuts. Yeah. And oh, I'm looking at this, the cheese and olive sticks. Looks good. Are you so out of donuts? Two left. Can I have the soup, please? Yeah. What do they feel with? Vanilla? Uh, blackberry ripple. This is Dominic Ansel, the creator of the Cronut. Oh, very nice. <laughs> Oh, everything looks good here. <laughs> Can I also have one of this, the uh, breast stick? Yeah. Did you create baguettes as well? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Well, if you did, I'd be mighty late for it. There we go. Thank you. So what are these filled with, please? Uh, so cheese and olive uh, stick. So it's um, Moroccan olives, red Leicester cheese. And they should have been out of the oven about 15 minutes ago, so it's a bit warm. Next up, we went old school, traditional British, and visited Mrs King's pork pies to get an education on the Cornish pasty. The Cornish pasty, God knows how far back it goes, because we're mining tin in Roman times, and possibly before that. But there's arsenic within the tin mines, so the miners held it by the crust, which was thrown away, and they ate the middle. Of course, when the tin ran out... A lot of the miners then went around the world. Some ended up in parts of America, most ended up in South America. Of course, you take your food with you. And that is why when the locals saw what the Cornish were eating, copied it, and that's where empanadas come from. (laughs) But a pasty is that can only be beef, and it has to be chunks of beef, not mince, potatoes, swede and onion, never carrots, never peas, and salt and pepper. And what amazes me about these, which we get from Padstow, is look at how thin the pastry is, particularly on the base. And they don't fall apart. Really, really, really good. Yeah. 
A lot of people, there's a myth that goes around that half the pasta was meat and veg and the other half was fruit, but I think they're getting confused with the Somerset Clango, which looks like a giant sausage roll, and that was half and half. So obviously some people probably moved from Somerset, jumped over Devon into Cornwall, but I don't believe that was actually, it was mainly always just the meat and veg. Uh, the pasta is just like the soup that my grandma used to make on Sunday night with vegetables and beef. Very comforting. You can check out all of Dominique's pictures from our feasting at Borough Market over at his Instagram page, Dominique Ansel. That's all one word, along with many other of his foodie highlights from London on his recent trip here. But as well as having a chorizo sandwich from Brindisa, a kid goat kofta from Gourmet Goat, and another first for Dominique, a salt beef rice sarni, he of course needed something to drink. Can we try the raw milk? Raw milk? You want a cup of raw milk? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'll not? Miles, but I'll take your <laughs> That's <all> right. <laughs> right. One pound for a cup of milk. Have you had raw milk before? One time ago. Aha. It's good for you in lots of ways. It gets rid of eczema, hay fever, asthma. Le- lowers your bad blood cholesterol. Fights infection. Yeah. It's the best sports drink you can have because it's the closest thing to blood in its makeup, so it replaces constituents lost in exercise far faster than anything else. There are only two... I'm going to really speak now. There's only two foods that are designed as foods, right? Which is milk and honey, raw milk and raw honey. All other foods we eat have got another role. So meat is muscle that moves an animal around, salads are plants, eggs are fertility. They've all got another role, but milk and honey, the only two foods designed as foods. Now, the only two foods that are living foods. They don't reproduce, but they're living foods. Now, they're the only two foods that don't decay and break down and rot in their natural state. They both preserve themselves. So, yeah, raw milk. And therefore, they're good about drinking milk. <laughs> it's the closest thing to blood. Right, seriously. <laughs> Cheers. A life force. Thank you, sir. Superfood. Full, unsurprisingly, I then learn a bit more about Dominique's introduction to the foodie world. I actually come from a very humble family in the north of Paris, in a small town. And my parents didn't have much money. Uh, so the funniest thing is that my mom was a horrible cook. She was really, really bad. So I would I spend... she's not listening. She might be listening. I mean, she knows. She knows about it. But she doesn't like cooking. So I would spend some time myself in the kitchen, cooking for myself, cooking for the family, because she was so bad at it. <laughs> and very early on, uh, when I was the age of 16, uh, my parents didn't have much money to send me to school. So I decided to find a job, and I found a job in a restaurant. Right. And that's how I got started. Yeah, and did you always start in the pastry section, or have you kind of I done was it? Act- I was actually it? a chef. I was trained as a chef for right. the first two years of my career. Okay. I love cooking yeah. as much as I love baking, actually. I, I do baking for, for, for a living because yeah. I, you know, this is what I, I, I love the most, but I, I also love cooking. Have you, um, a trend we're starting to notice here in the UK is kind of that sweet and savoury mashup. Have you seen that in America as well, or is that something you've started introducing into your bakery? Not so much, but we have a, a small selection of savoury items on our menu. And I will be working on doing some uh, savoury options as well for the bakery. So why did you choose London as your next stop in the bakery? It's your first European bakery. Um, we're really excited, but what, what was it about the city that made you want to open here? Well, I think at first, the, the talent. I think uh, I love the city of London. I love I love the people and I love how open-minded they are. I think there's a lot of resources here, a lot of talented young chefs that are really um, coming up. There's a lot of uh, amazing ingredients as well. Uh, like we saw it today at, at the market. 
a lot of local farmers, local fruits and vegetables. It's 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 exciting to me to be to be a part of the this uh, food scene in London, and to be able to like share what what we've learned while traveling around the world, but also uh, bring some of our signature from New York. So I'm still working on it. I'm still working on new pastry and and, and working on the menu. Uh, you should expect to see some uh, original and, and very fun uh, pastries inspired by not only desserts but also by by the culture in general. I uh, some things that could be savory and sweet, and I'm uh, always super excited about learning about new culture, tradition, and incorporate this into the food I bake to really pass down the emotions through food uh, to people. Is there any foods you don't like or any pastries that you don't like? Not really. I'm, I'm really curious. There's like there are things that I don't, don't eat as much. I'm not a huge fan of meringues, okay. and I know people love it, yeah. but I still work with meringues because I know. I know that's it's a crowd pleaser, yeah. and I force myself to eat it and force myself to like it. <laughs> but besides this, now I, I I can eat pretty much everything. How does it work with you in the kitchen? Do you have kind of an experiment kitchen where you're the one kind of coming up with all the mad ideas and then developing them? How does that? How does it work? When are we gonna? How do you come up with the next cronut? So it's never never a matter of like creating the next cronut. It's always a matter of like creating something that's thoughtful, uh, that is uh, understood by our customers. And something that they, they care for, you know, something that gives them emotions. Yeah. Either it's by going back to tradition or going back to like childhood memories. Yeah. It's something that gives makes you feel a certain way. It's not just about the food, but it's about the experience. Uh, I think uh, you know, like we always work on, on new menu items in the kitchen right now in New York. Probably working on on ten to uh, fifteen different recipes that are being tested, and that uh, includes some of the recipes for for London. So there's constantly uh, people testing recipes in, in my kitchen in New York. Do you have another favorite on the... Wow, well, I don't even know if the Krona is your favorite. Do you have another favorite on the menu um, in New York? Well, my favorite, actually, I shouldn't say it because <laughs> they're, they're all my favorites, but it's called the DKA. Okay. DKA stands for Dominique's Quignaman. Okay. Quignaman is... Uh, um, we describe it like a caramelized croissant. So it's very crunchy and caramelized on the outside. Okay. And inside you have all those flaky, tender layers. It's actually our bestseller in New York. It's actually also our bestseller in, in, in Japan. I think it will be here as well in London. It's really delicious. The way we make it is not really the traditional way. It's a lot, a lot lighter and flakier than the traditional French, uh, French way. And it's, uh, it's became one of our, our signature because it's, it's so tasty. People literally buy one, start eating it uh, while walking out, and they come back to buy two or three more. Um, and you have been to London quite a few times. This is your first time at Borough Market, but are there any other places that you really love going to when you're in London? It's my first time at Borough Market. Uh, my uh, few last visits have been packed with meetings, unfortunately. <laughs> but I've, I've had a chance to, uh, to go to a few, a few restaurants yeah. and to try the food. And always very, very surprised about how amazing the food is, yeah. how tasty it is, and the simplicity and just the, the quality of the food that's served in, in London is very, like, stepping like in a you know stepping up to uh, to the world and I know that when I travel either to uh, to France to Japan or, or New York everyone's talking about the London food scene and I now I know why so do you think the dining scene in New in London and the UK differs dramatically to New York in your experience I think it's uh it's kind of different but it's also like super exciting because it's different uh, there's this mix of cultures and and different style of cooking that is really really exciting to me because you see like chefs that 
go out of their way to really create new dishes. Yeah. I remember going to uh, Hopper's a few nights ago and having this, uh, this uh, hard duck dish like spice that was amazing yeah. or even the bone marrow uh, dish that was like really exciting because you don't have this kind of like food in, in New York I also went to uh, Gymkhana the food was amazing there I went to Padela and I I love the pasta there I love the fact that you know it's tiny too it's tiny kitchen almost reminded me of the kitchen we have in New York yeah. when, when I started the bakery where they're uh, at night they just clean the table and they roll the, the pasta in front of the window I went to cloth clubs. It was amazing. I, I love, love, love the food scene in, in London. I think it's super exciting. Every time I come back, I try something new. And every time I come back, I'm excited about trying new things. Tell me about the dishes at the new bakery, please. So the dishes at uh, the new bakery for London are going to be really fun. I'm actually taking inspiration from uh, the mix of culture in London and not only uh, the sweets or, or the food that, that is served by British chef. I love the fact that um, there's a lot of uh, different food from all over the world. Uh, for instance, I'm going to use a paella pan to uh, caramelize some uh, bananas and build a uh, banoffee pie in there. Amazing. And we will serve it in a pan. Or the other idea that I had uh, was uh, to do a Welsh rabbit uh, croissant with a, a beer bechamel. So I'm working on this. I've done a few tests. Uh, this should come out very, very nice. Excellent. So... I also love the, um, the dosa. I know Indian cuisine is really well represented in, in London as well, and it's amazing. And lo- always love the delicacy, the, the thinness of the dough, of the dosa, and the, the crunchiness. I'm going to use the same uh, similar presentation to do uh, a meal for you. And tell us a bit more about the bakery as well, because we were talking earlier, and apparently there's, is there seating upstairs and things like that? Will you be able to uh, see? No seating outside. They'll, they'll be sitting at the bakery uh, on the first floor. Okay. We'll have a little garden, Great. and we're going to serve a high tea a little bit later after the opening. It's going to be very nice, very charming, and the inspiration for the bakery, uh, for the for the design, is uh, travel, because I realized that you know, being being in New York, that a lot of people like meet in uh, in in line and they say goodbye to each other. So it's a really a special moment that they share. So I got inspired by, by the travel also because uh, the bakery is located in Victoria, yeah. close to the station. So it used to be a, a train station. So there's a very romantic uh, aspect to the to the design. That makes people feel like they're traveling somewhere, but also that they they meet each other at the bakery or they say goodbye to each other at the bakery. So the bakery for London, it will have about uh, 20, 25 chefs in the kitchen. And it's always important for me to have the chefs at the same location and not in a different kitchen. It's very important for me to uh, for them to see the, the energy and, and our customers and how they react to pastry as well, to, uh, to have a chance to engage with them and to really talk to them about what we do and how we do it. It's always uh, always nice to see customers. I think like most of the chefs are cl- enclosed themselves in the kitchen and they don't talk to customers. I think it's important for for a chef to be uh, able to reach out to their guests and to have like straight feedback on on what they do and and what they like as well. So in New York, you have a limit on the amount of pastries you can buy because they're that popular. Is that can you tell us why that is and and if that's going to happen in London too? So in New York, we have a limit of two per person. And uh, in when we first opened, people were just buying a lot and reselling it on the street. They were scalping <laughs> and reselling our food on the street. So, we, of course, we don't want this to happen. And we want to make sure we serve as many people as we can. Yeah. So we'll have the same same rule for New York, for London, New York, and, and Japan as well, and for Tokyo. Yeah. We'll serve two per person maximum. 
And disguises won't work. You can't put on a fake moustache and a hat and come back and get more. You can try. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've duly noted that. Thank you. So that was the incredible Dominique Ansel. How cool is he? And his new bakery will open in Victoria, London on the 23rd of September. Check out the Olive Magazine Instagram for more pics from our tour of Borough Market or his own. And if you happen to be one of the lucky people who get to try his new London dishes that we heard about earlier on, make sure you tag us in at Olive Magazine so we can see. Thank you for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast. Normal business will resume next week, although I'll be leaving you in the very capable hands of food editor Janine and the rest of the gang while I'm off exploring the food and drink of Corfu. All of the name and research, I promise, as ever, and I'll be showing my foodie finds upon my return. Follow our capers on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and of course, online at olivemagazine.com. And you can find the latest issue of Olive Magazine in all good supermarkets and newsagents now. And remember, if you haven't already subscribed to the Olive Magazine podcast, it's completely free and you can do that via Acast, iTunes, or your favorite podcast provider. And final thing, I promise, if you have a second, please, please, please take the time to quickly review and rate us to make sure even more of you lovely listeners get to hear great additional content like this from Dominic Ansel. So happy listening, happy eating, and ta till next time. <laughs>